DJ and PK reminding you, Valentine's Day is this week, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers is closed on Sunday. But you can shop online right now at jimmysflowers.com. Question of the day, two-parter. PK. What? Would you rather have the media cast doubt on the Jazz rather than lavish them with praise? And Valentine's Day is Sunday. Give us your favorite romantic tune. we got one segment here before we bring Cody Fugger aboard to talk BYU basketball. Do you want to sing or do you want to talk jazz? I want to talk jazz <laughs> because I love they play with such pizzazz. Not bad, just off the top of your head. I like it. <laughs> I combined the two. Beautiful. Beautiful work by you. There's a million love tunes. And right now, the Jazz, they are singing beautiful tunes when they play ball. <laughs> You're just going to keep combining the two. <laughs> the people are into both of these topics. Only one by Yellow Card, Jada Butters says. Only one? 50 ways to leave your lover, Randy Clark says. That's not a romantic tune. David says, anything by Anita Baker. Anita Baker, Sweet Love. I don't know if you've heard that tune, but Anita Baker singing Sweet Love is just awesome. She has got quite the voice, that's for sure. So this is the only one by Yellow Card, the first one you brought up. Is it too fast? And just for reference sake, this came out when I was in high school. Like, this takes me right back to Mountain View. <laughs> Walk in the halls, Yak. It really does, uh-huh. though. Now, lyrics have to make a sweet love song, too. But does it need to be a little slower? In a way. Uh, you know, obviously it's in the ear of the beholder. But I probably m- like mine a little bit slower. If you're into this type of uh, music, depends on if you're not. But if you are, the women, they love themselves some Dan and Shay. I went to a Dan and Shay concert uh, a few years back. What's that place? It's not the depot, but it's over by there. It's down the road a little bit. Yeah. I can't think of the name uh, of the place, but it was there. In fact, I, I was there, and some of your friends, Yak, told me they were your friends. Cause they, oh, yes. I do remember this, yeah. They, they came up to me, but I felt like I was at an Osmond concert in the 70s. <laughs> it just seemed like there was, not that I went to one, but... <laughs> Sure. Yeah, sure you didn't. Hang out with Donnie and Marie. Okay. Well, Donnie did a thing on satellite radio the other day, and I was at the gym, and he was he's so self-deprecating. He makes me laugh. And he did a uh, thing where he played the hits of the 70s, and then he had played – he had he would play a little bit that he had cut the tune himself. 
and I think it was uh, Elton John's, uh, what's that, it's your song, and he he did it as an adult, and he did it as a kid, and he set it up, and he said they were at the Forum in Inglewood, and he said, now I'll play just a little bit of it, but all you could do is hear teenage girls scream, and he brought that up, so that was what was in my mind. Uh, but that Dan and Shay one, women love them, so if you're looking to... Uh, Make your mark if she's into that form of, I guess they call it country, I call it pop. Uh, they love, like Tequila by Dan and Shay. That's a winner every time. Rascal Flats getting a shout out. Bless the broken road. Tony Janelle Smith put that one up there. Uh, Rascal Flats is okay. I don't dislike them. They're not up there with my faves. Brad Paisley got a shout out for then. Brad Paisley, yeah, I know him. He does those commercials with uh, Peyton Manning. Everything I Do by Brian Adams. Everything I Do by Brian Adams. All right, that that, yeah. that could fit the bill. That's romantic enough. If by Brad, Paul Douglas says. Ooh, we're going way back. <laughs> if by Brad. <laughs> For some reason, an episode of The Wonder Years sticks out of my mind. <laughs> Are you serious? What? <laughs> yeah, because he was going to get Winnie this big gift that he had saved up for, and blah, blah, blah. And he said that, I just hope she doesn't buy me the latest Bread album. He <laughs> got him the latest Bread album. <laughs> and then he had to act like he really enjoyed it. <laughs> When when he was it was later on in the years, the wonder years, he was a teen. <laughs> it's a little sappy for me. I agree. Someone like you by Van Morrison really floats my boat. I've been waiting for you to throw one thing out here. And I can't really say it with Brian Adams plan. <laughs> it's too big a left hand turn. Al Green. Come on, PK. Al so, Green. I actually just got a text message saying, if you don't play Al Green in this <laughs> segment, know, right? I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Valentine's Day demand on this show. This has to happen. It's great tune. No doubt about it. That works. I'm so Pretty sweet. You know he's living in Forest City, Arkansas these days? Lost track of Al Green. If you believe Wikipedia, I guess. Al Green or Marvin Gaye? The ultimate Valentine's Day call. Classics never grow old. Even if we do. Uh, well, individually on a tune, I would go with this Al Green tune, sure. All right, the other question up on Facebook, in addition to the Valentine's tunes, which Yach will continue to serenade us with all day long. I don't know what you're going to place out with, Yach. It's a wild card. It's your call. Would you rather have the media cast down on the jazz rather than lavish them with praise? And Tony says, honestly, yes. 
It makes them all upset, and they go and increase their game and consistency. I think there's something to it. You know, you don't want to get just bashed, too caught up in it. You don't want to get drowned by trying to, because there'll always be negative out there. It's just, especially now more than ever in social media, and then there's so many folks who don't have to identify themselves, and they can be these warriors that are anonymous. Truly, I have no use for whatsoever. You got something to say to me, put your name to it, and I'll listen. Uh, because that's a fair critique. Uh, email me. My address is out there on the website. And people who do that, I usually respond. Uh, but uh, if you're just an anonymous taking a shot, then just delete you and away you go. It doesn't matter. I'm in my 19th year, so really, who the hell cares what you think? Uh, but I think they should be aware of it because why not? Why not have an opportunity to show some folks uh, because we are out here, and, and people discount them. And if you're a great player, well, okay, it's like you're in some form of uh, purgatory, and then you're going to just stay there until you can get your your way out. You're going to go the Gordon Hayward. The, the, the truth is nobody really wanted to admit it, but Gordon Hayward was out the, the second he was available to get out. And the restricted contract, he wanted out, but he couldn't get out then. At least he was interested in getting out. Uh, and then the, the second he became a free agent with no restrictions, he was out the door. And a lot of people think, well, that's what happens when you play with Utah. So that's why these guys, and I think the message needs to be passed on to them, guys, winning here is going to mean so much more. I mean, LeBron can win in Los Angeles. Well, good for you. But it it just kind of sort of rings hollow, and especially the way you did it. You went to the Lakers when they absolutely sucked, but it didn't matter. You wanted the Hollywood experience, and then you pilfered who Locke says one of the top five players in the league. There was no struggle there. Don't act like we overcame. Anything is possible. Look at us. We had to battle through so much. I mean, LeBron needs to, loves to tell you how difficult it was in the bubble. Eh, maybe it was. But it's not like that's a big struggle that you had to climb the mountaintop and you had to have the, uh, who was it, the linebacker rip the jersey off your back or the monkey off your back metaphorically and all that stuff because you had to go through so many down times together before you finally climbed the mountain. That wasn't it at all. <laughs> you were orchestrated. You were put together like they used to do those TV shows and uh, made a, a band out of you or something when you really weren't. You were a TV show. It's not really what it was about. So if I'm a Laker fan, I think if you're being truthful, you would say, this title doesn't mean as much as the others. Come on, how could it? Whereas here, if you if you actually did it, you would you would be the king of the league to do it there. And go ahead and show them, man. And I think these guys sort of feel that way. So why not look at that and whether it's Shaq or whomever, you can't do it there. And the only reason why you're there, despite what you say, is because you're contractually obligated to be there. And the first chance you get out, you're Gordon Hayward in it. I think that Tony's take here, honestly, it makes them all upset and they go increase their game. The guy it's easiest to point to is Rudy. It, it, it definitely works with Rudy. 
to what degree it works with the other guys, we can all uh, we can all debate. But you know, they're asking Rudy to defend the entire paint, go out and defend the pick and rolls, get back to the rim, and then, as Locke told us, that the three point game in transition works if Rudy is sprinting to the rim. So he's got to come with a tremendous amount of energy, and whatever fires him up to do that, sign off on it because they got to have it from him. Okay, I don't have any problem with that, but I don't know that it's any less than the other guys. I don't, but he's more vocal about it, so I'm more sure it works. You know, Joe will kind of aw shucks it and all that. I think to some degree it works with him. I think to some degree it works with Donovan too, but it's just Rudy's so vocal about it, it just seems more obvious. And, you know, it might work with the other guys, but not as often. Everybody has their limits where you push them across the line and then, okay, now it's working with them. Whereas with Rudy, I think it works every day of the week. Well, the thing with Rudy is that he's going to be the first guy to make all this money and not score 20 points a game. (laughs) And so that's always going to be the knock. And the more the knock, the more the ignorance shows. Because it's clear they're not watching jazz games. How could they know? It's understandable ignorance. There's no way you can know unless you study them night after night or at least watch them, which is somewhat of the same. You literally have to watch the Jazz play all the time to totally understand the value, the complete value, not some stupid bleep box score value, but the complete value that he brings. And when you look at Shaq, there's just no way he's doing that. So it's willful, understandable ignorance. I get it. He's not being paid to study the Jazz. Unless he's absolutely has to, and force him to study you, and then you'll appreciate his value. But I think all the guys have it. I, I, I really, I, I, Mitchell has it. Mitchell wants to be a star, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the good thing is he wants to be a star within the framework of winning with the team because he knows they go hand in hand, and he already knows that he's established himself. And pretty much any time he wants to shoot, have at it. So that's already been decided. He's going to get his money. He's already got a boatload of money, and he's going to get even more uh, in time. So he has the green light pretty much whenever he wants. So all that stuff is taken care of. Now, if you want the true acclaim, you already got that other stuff. The true acclaim comes through winning. Brian says, does it really matter? They still have to put the work in on the court. Yeah, but that helps them put the work in. That's what I'm saying. Even if it's just like one-tenth of your motivation, why you not need, have it? You need That's that my ten, whole point. Yeah, you need that 10%. So, some do, <sighs> some don't. No, I think that the margin, uh, well, that's probably true. Some do, some don't. I just think that the margin isn't that great. You have these games where you, you're getting up 80, 85, 90 shots, and it comes down to you know what, one to five shots going in versus the other guy that, that matter. So if there's uh, 85 shots each, you're looking at 170 possessions plus turnovers, and it comes down to one to five possessions decide a game, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not much separating in these games. I mean, the Jazz ended up beating the Celtics by 14, but it was four points in the middle of the fourth quarter. Didn't it feel like there wasn't much separating those teams? Now the Jazz made the big plays at the end and hit the threes. And the scores aren't as close okay. as we're used to because they're shooting threes, not twos, and they're shooting so many of them 
So it's kind of the, the margin. But, man, with seven minutes to go, you, you didn't want to bet your life on which, which team was winning that game. I mean, you, you might have an idea, but you don't know for sure. If you know, when you know for sure, you turn off the TV or you channel surf and you go to another game. <laughs> we all stayed for the end of that Jazz Celtic game. Uh, yeah, I usually stay for all of Jazz games anyway. Because uh, I feel like it's, it's part of my job. Sure. Uh, but, but you but channel surf point. away from games routinely. You watch a lot of sports, and you routinely channel surf when you know oh, the competition yeah. part's over. I got who's Absolutely. winning this. No, no, I get your point. Yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying uh, as far as that goes. And as a fan, I think fans do that. I, I think that when you look at the true great players, there's got to be something there. There's got to be a burning desire to succeed. Because if there's not, you won't have it. And we've seen guys who don't have it. I mean, obviously in this franchise history, Oster Tag is the poster guy. And we all go back to him. You know, how much effort did you really, really put into it? Or did you wake up that seven feet tall? And so uh, you left a lot there out on the table. And so what, what is your burning desire? And then you have to have the heart. You got a lot of times heart. The reason why that ball goes in in whatever sport is because there's heart. And heart, I think, is aligned with motivation. And if people doubt you, man, I've used it myself a thousand times over. I'm not nearly the most talented, as I've been told a million times over. But I always felt like I had the ethic and I had the heart. And I would get where I wanted to go. And I think it's the same thing with these guys, too. So I say continue to be disrespected and show them. Now, you got to be careful a little bit because, you know, that was Hayward's thing is that he felt like he didn't get enough acclaim uh, and he wasn't going to get it in Utah. So you got to be careful on that That's got because that could work against the Utah market. Because clearly if Mitchell was doing this in his home area of New York, it would just be berserko. And we wouldn't, I wouldn't. So a lot of things that go into that. DJ and PK, we're talking college hoops with BYU assistant basketball coach Cody Fugger next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I like myself a good french fry with ketchup and mayo. I'm not talking about fry sauce. I'm talking about real mayo and real ketchup. Isn't yeah. that fry sauce? Uh, that's kind of what I was Te- thinking. Technically, I'm not it is. talking about spaghetti and meatballs. I'm talking about spaghetti and meat balled up. <laughs> Europe had it before fry sauce ever showed up here. Yeah. Bite your tongue. Fry sauce started here, sir, with yeah. Arctic Circle. We created fry sauce, and we will own that in perpetuity. Oh, uh, they did in Europe we, first. It tastes different. Separate than in fry sauce. Next thing you know, Gordon's going to tell us Brigham Young didn't say this is the place, but ah, this is good enough. (laughs) Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Minky Couture. The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orem, Surehouse, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Time to welcome in Cody Figure, BYU assistant basketball coach. Cody, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. How are you guys doing? Good. 
We are doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be on. I'm a huge fan of your guys' show. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm curious, uh, what is the BYU coaching staff doing with itself now? You have a very unusual long layoff in the middle of the conference season. Maybe you're trying to plug it with a game, or maybe you're doing something different midseason. What, what is the game plan now? Uh, r- right now, um, we're, uh, you know, we, took, uh, it was, we took Wednesday off, and uh, th- these next three days we're just going to f- kind of focus on ourselves. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to just kind of focus on ourselves and not other teams throughout this conference. Um, so, you know, we're focused on our, our physicality and just different things that we need to get better at uh, with, with our team first. Um, and then we'll uh, start up Pacific and LMU next week. So what's more difficult, Cody, trying to match Mark Pope's enthusiasm or beat <laughs> Gonzaga? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, both, both are uh, – Really, uh, really tough, tough, tough goes. Gonzaga is a heck of a team, and Coach Pope brings that every day. So both are pretty tough. Uh, your link to the uh, to the Utah area, your roots, uh, your roots run deep. When I saw you were from Wisconsin, I thought, well, I can only think of one link, and sure enough, there it was. Yeah, Coach Majerus. Um, I. Uh, you know, started out at his basketball camps when I was younger in uh, Wisconsin at Cardinal Street Basketball Camp. And when I got uh, 16 years old, he actually asked me to basketball camp. Um, and then when I graduated high school, he first asked me at University of Utah, but I'm really cheap, so I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition, and I knew I wanted to coach. So uh, he decided to uh, give me scholarships, so I come – so I could come work for him, and I worked for him for a couple years and uh, had a great relationship with uh, Coach Majerus. So then how did that transfer over to Mark Pope because you've been with him now? Yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of went from um, University of Utah, and I got to know <clears throat> so many different people in Utah, so many great people. Um, worked with Chris Jones and, uh, you know, Tim Lacombe, and uh, we, we became close, and, you know, Tim um, worked at uh, BYU for a long time, obviously, and um, I was working at Louisiana Tech at the time, and we, we stayed close. And when a job opportunity came open at BYU, I got close with Coach Rose and um, got a chance to be hired at, as the director of basketball operations back in 2014 and 15 at BYU, or 2013-14. Um, so, uh, and then I got to meet Coach Pope there. And uh, Coach Pope and I developed a great relationship, and then he got the head coaching job at Utah Valley, and I went with him there. And then when he came back to BYU, I came back with him. So you have all these influences. How do they uh, show themselves in the BYU program today? What do you see that is a little bit of uh, Dave Rose? What do you see that's a little bit of Rick Majerus? Obviously with Coach Pope, he's the head coach. His fingerprints are all over it. But what about the other guys? So with, with Coach Majerus, I, I think there's a lot of uh, attention to detail um, and relentless work ethic. Um, I think I think that's something that it's just an all day, every day thing. And like you said, that's that's a lot of part a part of Coach Pope's DNA. Um, and with Coach Coach Rose, is just giving his players so much confidence at all times um, to be their best and play their best. 
I think those are the two two main things that uh, portray in this program right now. I'm fascinated on how Mark Pope builds his teams. Now, it's only been a couple teams here with BYU. And last year, we know he's relying a lot on transfers, both of the years that, he was, that he's been the head coach. But last year, the transfers were, were somewhat different in that, you know, you bring Toulson back, but it really wasn't a new situation. Obviously, he had been there before, and there's not a lot of physical distance between UVU and BYU, so I imagine guys are playing together with each other, so they have some form of uh, relationship, even if it's not a formal one on the same team. So you could see that transfer situation being maybe smoother than others. And now this year, same type of deal. You're bringing in some JC guys. You're bringing in the big kid from Purdue. Averitt's from down the street, UVU also. But has this year been a little more difficult to mold guys into a team versus what it was last year? Because even though you had some transfers, you still had a bunch of guys who'd been in the program for a good while? Yeah, I I would say this year it's just taken a little bit longer. You know, um, throughout the summer we didn't, we didn't, uh, weren't able to get with them as much as we usually did, like the, the past year. Um, just because with you know COVID and everything going on, um, but I, I would say, you know, it's just been yeah, like you said, we we only brought in a couple transfers last year, and this year it's like what nine new guys or or whatever. So it's just been uh, a little bit different bringing in all these different lineups and just seeing what fits, and and it's just taking a little bit longer. Um, but this group's got great, great amount of energy and, and brings it every single day. It's been a really fun team to coach. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Harms coming from Purdue brings a lot of his senior leadership. Um, Alex Barcelo, obviously, he was with us last year. Um, and then Brandon Averitt, those, those three seniors have been, been crucial for us this year. And they're, they're kind of uh, pushing our guys to get better every day. Um, yeah, those guys have uh, really, really like Matt. Matt Harms, you know, coming from Purdue, a Big Ten program. <clears throat> excuse me, has uh, you know just kind of really helped help mold our guys together because you know he just wants to win at the end of the day, and he's really helped our, our team improve um, just just on that and just kind of everybody sacrificing for each other. Cody Feger joining us, BYU assistant basketball coach. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, working with guys, getting guys to be more physical. You know, you, you've got a lot of size on the team, and there are games where it has really destroyed other teams, but also there are times where it just seems to go away and they get taken out of games, and Gonzaga did, and obviously Gonzaga's undefeated, number one. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how, do, how do teams take those guys out of games? What can you do to prevent it? Because you know going forward, assuming the NCAA tournament goes off here in Indianapolis as they're planning – People are going to look at the Gonzaga tape. They're going to look at other tapes, and you, and you know what they're going to you know what they're going to decide. Yeah, it's just something that we just focus on and talk about every single day. Um, you know, it's it's hard to do in practice sometimes because you want to have, be really physical, but you don't want also guys to get injured in practice. Um, but we watch film, we show clips of it, and we just we go against pads a lot and. You know, yesterday we had a long day of just kind of going at each other over and over again, whether it's rebounding or ducking in in the post or, 
you know, defending the ball, whatever, uh, you know, we were doing was just talking about that physicality over and over again. And that's just something that we're just going to take a huge step forward talking about screening, you know, um, um, you know, rebounding, making and maintaining contact, hitting, hitting every single possession. Um, so it's just something that we're, we're just continuing to talk about every play, every possession. So one guy who's got me way excited is this loner kid. I love the way his rebounds. I love his tenacity. I know he got off to a slow start a little bit as far as shooting goes, but I would think that overall the way he's developed as just a freshman, you guys have got to be pleased. Oh, yeah, we're, we're really excited. You know, he, he's one of those guys that's, that's uh, coming into the office every single day wanting to watch film, and he's staying in the gym and shooting until late at night. He just cares so much about this team and just getting better, and he just wants to wants to please the coaching staff. And um, his when he's focusing on defense and rebounding, he, he's unbelievable because the offense is going to come, and he's gotten better and better, like you said, down the line here. And he, he's just been so much fun to coach. And you know, we we watched some of the film from yesterday, and he's knocking into everybody's body, and he just gets right up like he, he's. It's unbelievable all the hits he takes and just keeps on standing and keeps on coming and he's just nonstop ball of energy. It, it, he's been he's been fun to, fun to coach. Yeah. So the the uh, the transfers PK touched on earlier. You know, so many people as you talk about your background, right? You've come across so many people and so many people in basketball have that. I'm curious with the portal. When a name hits a portal, how often are you surprised and how much? Because everybody knows everybody, is the word kind of out, hey, look, this guy's name could pop up pretty soon. How much of a heads-up do you get with that? Uh, it just kind of depends. You know, we'll hear something once in a while. Um, coach will say something, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hear about it a little early sometimes. Um, but, like, let's just say Alex Barcelo, like, uh, his name just popped up on one day last year on June 23rd. Um, it was two years ago and, you know, we just started calling right away and we didn't have a, have a relationship with his AAU coach or anybody, but we just started dialing in and calling, calling him right away. And same with Matt Harms, you know, those are two guys that, that we just had no prior relationship at all. And just kind of went out and worked for him. And, you know, Jake Toulson, obviously we had a, had a great relationship with, and he wanted to come and, um, but. You know, sometimes you, you hear stuff, but you're never for sure, so you just wait until they names hit the portal and start calling right away. So I'm real interested as far as BYU goes, because obviously you have the influence of the LDS Church involved. And to me, you get Averett would be obvious. He's been in the community. He's aware of it. And Barcelo's been down there in Arizona, my home area, and I know where he went to high school. And that side of town on the East Valley, there's tons of LDS folks. So he has a a familiarity with them for sure. I'm sure he's played with them. He's got neighbors and so forth. So he has at least an understanding. Not sure about harms, but going forward there, is that something – that you have to just hit right off the bat as far as explaining what folks are about and Provo and all that stuff? How does that work? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, that's something that we'll talk about right away with recruits just so they, they know they get a heads up. Like, so when I was coming from Wisconsin, um, I had no idea what a Mormon was. I've never heard of the one. Um, and, uh, 
and, and you know, Coach Majerus said, "Hey, it's it's just like just like everybody else, just normal, and everything's fine." And and I got here, and yeah, there's there's no big difference. You just hear all these weird things, um, but at the end of the day, it, it's it's you just tell them exactly what kind of school is about, what's important to the school, and and um, you know about coffee and you know alcohol and women and all that all that kind of stuff we just kind of give them a heads up right away and you know guys you know you know guys aren't don't shy away from it and they're not scared because the guys we want to bring in want to be pros at the end of the day they're not worried about the off the court kind of issues anyway you know we don't want to bring the guys in that don't want to be pros we want we want players that want to come in here and, and want to take basketball serious and not worry about the outside stuff how much, uh, when you have a coaching change, I'm always curious about how much you can keep the alumni involved recruiting, and they've had some guys go overseas, which can take people out of the loop. How much effort have you spent on that, connecting with the past and trying to keep those guys involved with the program? Because they're another pair of eyes for recruits, another pers- perspective. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, that, that's something that you know Coach Pope hit on uh, since day one since we came to BYU, was just staying in touch with all the alumni, you know, we try we try to have a couple of alumni nights last year. Try to invite the alumni to every single game. Um, that that's something that we talk about every day um, as a staff. Really, is just staying in touch with this alumni and and we want them to feel vested in this program because they built this place. Um, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll talk to different um, players like Eric Nika, and you can go down the line. Tyler Hawes, Jonathan Tabinari. Um, Travis Hanson, everybody wants to help this place out, like you said, alumni, and, and that's been a fantastic resource for us. So you got a kid from this Wasatch Academy on your pro, in your program, and I think you got a commitment uh, from somebody to join it. Well, tell us about what's going on down at that place and what's the connection as far as BYU being able to mine that for potential players. Uh, Wasatch Academy, you know, it's, it's an hour and ten minutes down the road. Uh, Paul Peterson is the head coach now, um, and we got a great relationship with Paul. He's he's trained a lot of former BYU guys, um, and then Anson Winder is an assistant coach there now. So we've got a p- plenty of guys that have uh, you know great great feel for that program, um, and th- they they have a great great deal down there. They can bring in top players in the country and, and it's a great location for us and it's kind of hidden away a little bit um they're playing great talent every single week um but that that's a that's a relationship that's going to keep on growing and keep on getting better for us so when you look at your coaching staff cody how short do you feel <laughs> um you know Every day, I, 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 you know, I'm just kind of used to it. I don't think about it. Now, when I get get home, sometimes my, sometimes my son will say, say some weird things to me, and we're all giving a second look, and he'll be like, "Dad, are you the shortest guy, or is Brandon Avery the shortest guy out there?" And uh, so that that's the only thing that kind of makes me feel a little bit different. Or uh, um, my uh, my friend the other day was telling me that uh, he was just googling my name for just a find this picture to send me and uh the first thing that came up was cody Feger height so i wonder if everyone <laughs> thinks i'm about five foot three or what <laughs> it's like lord of the rings it's all trick photography <laughs> just tell them it's all hollywood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Well, Cody, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Cougar basketball. All right, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, Cody Figure, BYU assistant basketball coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz getting ready for a big weekend. Three games in four days. Some of the best teams in the East. And we will get to that next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK, I want to blame Yawk for this, but he's now throwing Johnny Lightfoot under the bus. (laughs) I I know. You criticized this one time, and Johnny, before he was hired for us, goes on Facebook and blasts me, and I never said a word. (laughs) True story. That did happen. (laughs) I can't believe you, Kenahan. James hates this. You dog. (laughs) Ah, I feel like you've just got syrup all over. (laughs) Covered. This is like, ah, I'm sticking everything. Full maple with all the sugar. Who spelled syrup on the counter and didn't wipe it up? That's terrible. Johnny Lightfoot sends his regards. Oh, he does. Thanks, Johnny Lightfoot. Thanks thanks for nothing. All right, now the smooth transition to Lisa and Jazz Talk. Lisa, good morning. 855-340-ZONE. Yeah, we still take calls every once in a while. You never know. 855-340-ZONE. Lisa, what's going on? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Well, when I heard that song, I looked at my husband and said, what the just happened? Like, what, what, what did the zone just do? They're taunting and torturing anyway. me. That's what's going on. Okay. I'm sorry about that. You shouldn't do that, you guys. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. Um, quick, quick question. I have a conspiracy theory about the whole NBA Mavericks thing. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I think that was a big old setup because you know they're losing fans right and left. And, um, well, maybe not left. Nice. Um, Anyway, and um, I think that that was a setup, that Mark Cuban said that, and then the, I can't even think of the commissioner's name. but Adam Silver. He jumps in. Y'all are going to play that national anthem. So they're trying to get fans back. What do you think? So they're trying to get you people back because you got burned over what they've done socially. And so you've fallen away. And you being the representative of uh, generally, not you specifically. And so that they've set this up so they can look like uh, patriots again and, and bring back folks that they've lost. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, did it work? I am. Did it work? Well, I always watch the Jazz, but I won't watch a Mavericks game. If they're playing the Mavericks, I won't watch it. So. But they're playing the National Anthem now. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they blew it in my opinion. Okay. But anyway, and then one last thing. 
for you fans that like to send texts after I call, I want you to know I will not trash the U. Um, why? I, okay, wait a minute. Maybe by next football season I will. But when they lost their player, it broke my heart, and I sure? just I can't I can't do it. So you're going to take the high road so, for a while. For a while, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee what football season starts, but I that. He just seemed like such a great kid, and it was such a tragedy, and I know it affected their program, and I just I can't do it, not even on Twitter. So, <laughs> Twitter why Twitter's is not real. Not even on Twitter. Not even on – well, I'm not even on Twitter anymore. So Good for you. Anyway, yeah. All right, guys, I just wanted to run that by you. I just think that that's – I'm a bit of conspiracy conspirator, whatever you call it, conspiracy theory. Okay. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, Lisa. Yeah, it didn't strike me as that being a setup, but I suppose anything is possible. What's the number one reason why you would watch the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, Number one, they were playing the Jazz. Number two, Luka Doncic. Okay. Right. So it just, aside from the Jazz, just Luka. So the the number one reason. We watch stars, we watch the NBA celebrities, and he's it. Right. He's amazing. I'm wondering does he have anything to do with this national anthem. He's a foreign guy, and he's he's thousands of miles away from home. Right, and he's a lot younger, so I would think, no, he doesn't. Right. I mean, I'm not in his locker. I don't know the conversations he's had with teammates and all that, but no, he's clearly not the first, second, or third guy you'd go to. So why would I deny myself that opportunity to watch that young man play ball when my guess is he's got nothing to do with any of this stuff and so he's just out there playing ball, and he probably – I mean, he's aware of it. I'm not going to say he's not, but he's out there just having the time of his life playing basketball, and he's really good, and he's fun to watch. Why would I deny myself the opportunity to see that young man play over politics? Now, for me, I guess some people get worked up about it. I'm not, not I guess. I mean, I know. But for me, why would I deny myself – the opportunity to see that young. Now, if you want to root against the Mavericks because of Cuban and this and that, that's another story. But I like watching Doncic play ball because he's a heck of a player. Well, you're more invested in sports than most people. I'm more invested in sports than most people. And we are less invested in politics than a lot of people. So I think from where we're sitting, it's just not likely that's going to happen for us. But for somebody else who's less invested in sports and more invested in politics, maybe it's a pretty easy decision. I know, but my point being that probably, and I don't know this for sure, I don't know it at all, actually. My my point being that I don't know that Doncic really is invested on whether the United States of America plays its national anthem before its domestic sporting events. You are, I don't know. Uh, you, are, um, <laughs> you are being more me than you right now. Because on logic, I get it, but I think for a lot of people, this is just an emotional issue. And so there's no point in addressing with logic because the logic doesn't address the emotion. But because it's emotional, mm-hmm. and I was discussing this the other night with our friend... The Godfather, Vito Gordon Monson Corleone. <laughs> Vito and I said, Vito Gordon Monson. <laughs> yeah, Vito. All right. I think we should be calling him Vito. He's the Godfather of sports radio. He is. I mean, he literally is. And I'm saying 
and he's been very active in writing and, and, and all this stuff. And we get, if you don't know his thoughts by now, you're never going to know them because it seems like, okay, you're sort of getting a little repetitive now. But I said, no matter what your writers say, whose mind are you changing? So why devote energy into all that stuff when am I really changing? If somebody changes their mind, is it because I lectured them or because they came to the conclusion to change their mind? I don't think very many people are changing, but if they do, is it because of my lectures? Probably not. It's because they came to their own uh, awakening of whatever the particular topic is. So rather than just beat that drum over and over, I'm just going to make sure that I can do what I can do and try to help player, uh, whether it's a minority or not, I guess it doesn't really matter. But since that's the big issue, do what I can to help uh, move along and progress as, as a society. That's really all I can do. So because I agree with you, it is emotional. That's my very point as to why delve in it, because it is so emotional and nothing is being settled. All it is is a bunch of outrage. And, so, and people making money along the way. And yeah, and so when I come from that from a sports perspective, I just have a hard time getting myself worked up. So I'm going to deny myself that has literally been a entertainment venue for me, an avenue for literally my whole life. Because once I do that, you know, you look at Hollywood. It's traditionally a, a liberal left-leaning industry. I think we could agree with that, right? So am I going to deny myself some movies? Music has been that way. Media, I mean, I've been in news newsrooms many, many years in five, uh, three different states for five different newspapers, and the majority of them were. And so you can, you can divorce yourself from that if you want, but do I divorce myself from music? Do I divorce myself from movies? Do I divorce myself from sports? What do I got left? Once I'm going to do that, all I got left is a bunch of people who think exactly like I do. Is that really what I want? I don't know that I want anybody thinking like I do because my thoughts are probably cockamamie. And don't follow me because I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, but you've had stuff in your life where you've gone into large amounts of self-reflection. I mean, I think largely it's shown that people do want to be surrounded by people like themselves, people who look like themselves, people who talk like themselves, people who think like themselves. I mean, the media and your points about the media over 30 years of the career, while true, at least to some extent and maybe to a large extent true, but... How relevant are they now because the media is so different than it was 30 years ago? Everybody's a member of the media. There are podcasts that never existed before, websites that never existed oh, yeah. before. I mean, who gets there? Even if you say newspapers, and we focus on newspapers. Newspapers are liberal. I know I was in a newsroom 30 years ago. Well, first off, thousands of those newsrooms are closed and those papers don't exist. The rest are slimmed down, and there aren't as many jobs. Their voice is a small fraction in the community of what it used to be. It is amazing how powerful a columnist's voice was 30, 40, or 50 years ago. A columnist in San Diego talked the town into building a multi-million dollar stadium that they're now tearing down, and the NFL team has left. He talked an owner into moving a team. The amount of power that they wielded, and this is before I was even born— but the amount of power they wielded was 
now it's just enormous. Enormous. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, PK. And now there are people who don't read a newspaper. They go to a website X, Y, or Z that tells them what they already know. And now we know that people are data mining, that there are all these companies getting data off every website we go to. So they sell us what they know we want to buy. And everything is tailored for us more than ever. And so now it's this feedback loop, this circle of, yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly what you think. I'm going to tell you exactly what you want. I already know all about you, and I'm going to make money off you. You think people want to surround themselves exclusively with people who just agree with them? I would like to say no, but largely yes. And then if they want to be challenged, they only want to be challenged in a certain way. I mean, really, honestly, like you say, who among us wants to be lectured? Who wakes up in the morning and thinks, man, I hope someone comes along and tells me I'm completely wrong and challenges everything I think today? My children. As a parent, I may have thought that once or twice myself. I'll bet that you want to hear everything I have to say. <laughs> Come on, I've looked at Yak before the end of the day, and I, I need to shut up now. I'm just boring, Yak. <laughs> Yak, you're laughing way too hard. <laughs> I appreciated no that comments. Charger talk earlier this morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. And the point of that was, was there a point? Really? I don't know. I'm not convinced there was. <laughs> I don't think you can prove it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yak, what's going to happen here? I know you're efforting a third guest. Are we supposed to tease this, or is this not happening? I would not tease it for now. All right, Yak's pulling back on the throttle there. DJ and PK, we got a ton of you weighing in on the question of the day about the Utah Jazz and what you want to hear. And really, everything you just said, PK, now let's just spin it around and apply it to the Jazz. And we'll do that next. Stay with us.